Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Dominic Keenan, VP of Sales at ClickBank. And we're going to be discussing how to succeed in affiliate marketing in 2022. Welcome to the podcast, Dominic. Hey, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Before we get into the episode today, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and describe what you do at ClickBank? Sure. So I've been at ClickBank for seven years, uh, oddly enough, almost to the day. Prior to this, I was working in commercial banking. And uh, I'm really glad I got out of the uh, third floor of the bank tower and came <laughs> over here. But uh, most of what I do day to day is working with online entrepreneurs. Uh, it's a dream job. But working with both uh, affiliates and sellers or vendors on a day to day basis, whether it's strategy and tactics, um, how to how to manage affiliates, all those types of things. But uh, really, what we're working on is the, uh, the scale that's afforded by affiliate marketing. And a little bit about ClickBank. For those that aren't familiar, ClickBank's kind of a, an OG in the internet business. It's been around since 1998. Um, we're primarily known as an affiliate network, but there's quite a few other things that we do. So we provide uh, merchant processing, one-click post-purchase upsells, recurring billing, um, tax or uh, VAT collection and remittance, kind of all that back office stuff that nobody really wants to manage on their end. And you mentioned that you've been at ClickBank for seven years. Were you involved in affiliate marketing before then? I was not. I was actually, I was, I was just finishing my MBA and yeah. one of my classmates had gotten recruited to ClickBank and he called me up after he'd been here for about a month. And he goes, yeah, I, it's kind of complicated to explain, <laughs> but uh, just come over for an interview. And, you know, by the time you've been here for six months, you'll figure it out. And he, he was absolutely right. It took me about six months to get to get my mind around everything that ClickBank does and, and how our clients use it. But it's been... Uh, it's been a very welcome change. Mm. And as you said, ClickBank is one of the OGs in this in this space. And the reason that I asked that question about how long you've been in affiliate marketing and some context for this first question for you is that I have seen changing perceptions of affiliate marketing throughout the last decade. And I was having a conversation. I had two separate conversations this week about affiliate marketing. 
And in those conversations, affiliate marketing has been combined or used interchangeably with the terms partnership marketing and also also with influencer marketing. And I'm seeing that more and more and hearing that more and more as the years develop. It feels to me like there's almost a, not necessarily a gray, over, uh, a gray area, but maybe a greater crossover between some of these emerging disciplines and affiliate marketing. I'm interested in your perception. How has your perception changed with respect to affiliate marketing over the last seven years? Yeah, certainly. So uh, this industry has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of words that are used interchangeably. On the, on the influencer side, people often think affiliates, influencers as affiliates, or vice versa. Um, in our world, affiliates tend to be more paid professional marketers. So they're either uh, professional media buyers, or email list managers, whatever it may be, uh, and. Their performance, their financial performance is directly tied to the goals of the seller. So, for example, they don't get paid unless uh, product sells or a, a lead is captured. On the influencer side, I, I think influence marketing is moving more in this direction, but the goals aren't quite as closely aligned. So, if you're paying an influencer, you know, $1,000 for a post, they don't necessarily care how that post performs because there's nothing more to be gained in that financial model. Mm. Now, th- they do care to some extent, right? They, they want it to perform well enough that they continue to get paid to, to make posts or you know perform somehow. I think influencer marketing will probably move more in this direction where there's really close alignment on the, on the two goals. Um, and then uh, oftentimes it's used to refer to ambassador programs, which are tend to be raving happy customers that want to tell their friends about it. And oftentimes that is a little bit lower scale than on, on an individual ambassador affiliate level is a little bit lower scale. Typically we're trying to find vendors who have products and offers that will be able to run on scaled email or display campaigns in the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. And so since there's a significant amount of scale available there, you asked how things have changed over the last seven years. The perception of it as a very legitimate channel for scale is certainly certainly out there and has that a perception has increased over that time. Uh, there's other changes that we've seen, particularly with the, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, it, it very much accelerated our business and our clients' businesses. Very dramatic growth. I would say one of the characteristics of that that I noticed, I, I spent a, a lot of time trying to analyze what was driving this because, you know, mm-hmm. I've... I'm of course responsible to a boss and they always want to know, well, why, why do we grow at such a high rate? And I would say that things are moving much faster. So, uh, sellers whose products, they, they're going to succeed or fail, but they succeed or fail at a much more rapid pace. And so they're able to either realize that success or iterate into something different that will get them where they're going. And then um, also uh, what has helped change that perspe- perception over the, over the time that I've been involved is uh, there's an ongoing increasing concern around data and privacy. So for the, those people listening in, t- in the EU are very con- uh, 
uh, very familiar with the GDPR regulations. We have something similar here out of California, the CCPA. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the platforms themselves are are self-regulating. There's a lot that you cannot do with email or say Facebook media today that you could have gotten you could have gotten through five seven years ago. Uh, so the industry is also is also uh, regulating itself. But one thing that has been very consistent over my experience here is that marketers adapt very quickly. We've seen this, whether it's uh, regulation, GDPR, for example, or changes within the different platforms, they tend to figure out a way not to get around that, but to continue to market in conjunction with those policies. And it's it's really impressive to watch. Uh, most recent example of that would be iOS 14. You know, I know it's hurting Facebook, Facebook's revenue uh, certainly, but uh, you know, it just changed the metrics that a lot of the media buyers we work with look at and evaluate their campaigns based on, and and they continue promoting the offers that they work with. Mm. Just the tracking aspect is something I'm interested to know how that and if that's developed. So. How has that developed over time? Is that developing? Are there any other forms of affiliate implementation aside from tracking links that people listening to this should be aware of in 2022? Yeah. So on the tracking link side, at least in ClickBank, and this is pretty common, is the uh, tracking link will be a redirect that drops a cookie on the user's browser. For ClickBank specifically, while we do use cookies, we also use device fingerprint. Uh, It's actually primary form of attribution. So we're not completely relying on the cookie but imagine that'll become more and more common yeah also uh specific to email campaigns there is email attribution where the emails recorded at the time of the click typically it's included in the url then if that email ever purchases it's attributed back to the original person so there is quite a bit out there it depends a little bit on the type of campaign uh, or the type of traffic that's being run. Obviously, email attribution is not going to work on just display media because you don't have an email address to attribute anyway. Mm-hmm. But I would, I think you bring up a good point and should pay close attention to what whatever tracking tool you're using. If there isn't faith in it on the part of the affiliate, right, then you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, so being really clear with the affiliate base on how things are being tracked and attributed to them is is really essential to success. Excellent. I might come back to that point, actually, when we talk a little bit about the foundations for success. But just before we get started on that point, you talked in the intro there about how maybe it took you six months, seven years ago to learn about affiliate marketing. And I'm interested these days, particularly because you're on the receiving end of a lots of questions about affiliate marketing. I know you have a lot of personal experience, but For anyone listening that wants to learn about affiliate marketing, whether they're becoming familiar with it for the first time or they're just relearning or refreshing their skills, you know, what's some of the best resources that you would point to? So if you're working with a network, I mean, the networks have connections that will be able to, whether it's ClickBank or any other network that will be able to guide you. It's in their interest to to help you with that. So I I would rely on the network that works best for you. And also keep in mind, when selecting a network, if, if you come and look at ClickBank or any other affiliate network, you're like, ah, that's not quite right mm. for us. Um, 
I would certainly research what else is out there. I'll give you a really quick example. There's a company out of uh, Park City, Utah called Avant Link, and they do everything outdoors. So if you want to sell backpacks, snowshoes, binoculars, everything in that, that category, they're the one to go to, right? But if you were trying to sell binoculars, and you come to ClickBank, I, you know, I don't have very many binocular <laughs> affiliates. <laughs> so um, I, I would you know, look for the network um, or the tool that's going to work best for you. Beyond that, there are, there's a tremendous amount of content out there uh, that is really helpful for getting started in, in affiliate marketing. One of my really good friends, Amber Spears, has an has a, uh, organization called Traffic Tribe. She is one of the best. And I would highly recommend her. If you are interested in ClickBank, we have the uh, ClickBank Spark program, which gives you the fundamentals for affiliate marketing. You know, it's a good way to dip your toe in and say, does this really fit with my business model or not without, you know, hiring somebody or building out a bunch of stuff only to find out that, that it's not quite right for your business. Hmm. We're going to go into speaking about all of this through the lens of a marketer or a business, but something you just touched on there that's interesting to me is looking at it through the professional marketers lens. So the people out there that are affiliates, what are some of the prerequisites to being a great affiliate marketer that you see? It's really interesting working with it. So keep in mind that we're only working with the highest scale affiliates. Yeah. I would say those guys in all my conversations with them know their numbers really well, or they employ somebody that know their knows their numbers really well. And then they are constantly split testing, whether it's, you know, on the display side, whether it's images, headlines, things like that. Yeah. On the email side, it's constant split testing of of the copy inside the body or the call to action or the subject line, whatever it may be. So it's this constant pursuit of optimization, realizing you're never going to get it perfect. But that mindset that we're always going to improve on, on what we're doing. Developing that conversation into a more general understanding of what's required to be successful in affiliate marketing. So um, I'm really interested in just the prerequisites, whether that's people, skills, you've talked a little bit about technology, but what do you need in place as a business to be successful with the affiliate marketing channel? Uh, that's a that's a great question. So I, I would say, particularly on the seller side, it would start with an understanding that affiliate marketing is a channel. And getting into a channel is not without investment of time and money. So, you know, let's say you wanted to get into YouTube, right? It's, you don't just put up one video and you're done. <laughs> um, that, that mindset is really critical to being successful at it. I see a lot of people that kind of want to dip their toe into affiliate marketing and there's a, a, you know, an affiliates link at the very bottom of the, of the footer and it leads to enter your email address here and maybe we'll get back to you at some point. Those tend not to be very, very successful. Um, so just because it's from a mindset perspective. So as long as, as long as you're good with the, the channel portion, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of upside for the right business, uh, in affiliate marketing, very high scale, particularly if it's a high converting offer or product. Um, as far as prerequisites, I'd say a way to track affiliates, whether it's through a network or a specific tracking tool 
for example, Cake or Tune would be an example of that. Um, and then really thinking through what type of model works best for your business. So here at ClickBank, we do uh, RevShare or CPA. There are certainly massive uh, lead campaigns, CPL campaigns. So it depends on what fits best for your business. And then I would certainly invest in building a very robust affiliate page. And the reason for this is that every business is competing for customers. However, in the affiliate space, you're also competing for affiliates probably just as much as you're competing for customers because in the end, affiliates do equal customers just at at a higher scale. So that affiliate page is kind of the introduction of your business to that potential affiliate. And the types of things that we recommend people include on their on their affiliate page is uh, a diagram of the sales funnel. What does it look like from beginning to end? Don't make that affiliate go through, particularly with ClickBank, we have post-purchase upsells. So if you want to see the whole thing, you have to buy the product mm-hmm. and then take the upsell. And now, you know, they've spent 20 minutes trying to figure out what is the overall messaging look and feel of, of your of your product. Show them a funnel diagram that says, you know, this is this is the landing page, this is the order form. Here's upsell one, upsell two. Here's the rates at which they convert at. Here's the uh, contribution to average order value that each page contributes. That way, you're providing maximum transparency. And they're also able to create better creative, right? They're better image that's more congruent with, with all the pages that the customer will see. Or the copy is more congruent to how your headlines are stating it. I would also include sample uh, email copy images. and then. I would also include terms and conditions. You know, if you don't want an affiliate uh, bidding on your branded keywords, mm. don't compete with them. Just tell them, you know, here's the rules you or your your business is very good at Facebook marketing and you don't you don't want anybody else speaking for your business on Facebook. Just tell them that. And if you're working with a network and you have somebody that does violate those terms and conditions, I, just about any network will will take action with the affiliate. And then lastly, uh, an affiliate manager, and I don't mean somebody that's just keeping track of clicks or sales and then PayPaling money over to each affiliate at the end of the month. This is somebody who's much more focused on the relationships with the affiliates. Mm. And going back to every, every business in the affiliate space is competing with other businesses for affiliates. Have them build really deep relationships with those affiliates, you know, know when their birthday is, send them a bottle of whiskey or whatever whatever it may be. Make sure they have the most up-to-date swipe and creative. Um, and where that ties into the affiliate page is oftentimes affiliates, they just want, they need something quickly. They want to speak to somebody. So on that affiliate page, put a headshot and the contact info and name of that affiliate manager right at the top. I've seen, I, I was just talking to a, a large email list manager who has done a lot of business with ClickBank recently and he has a promotional calendar scheduled out, you know, typically four months. And so if, you know, if you want him to promote something, it's going to be a long ways out, but it's worth the wait. And he happened to have something fall through for the following day. And he had found a, a, a product that was going to work perfect. It was very similar to the one that he was planning on promoting and he had never promoted this one before and he tried to get in touch with the with the business owner and it was radio silence and i remember thinking ah that you know that business owner just missed out on if not tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales in that one day 
just because it was difficult to get in touch with them. Mm. It's really interesting. I'm glad you raised the affiliate manager role and it really ties in with what I was asking about skills as well. What I'm hearing from you is that communication, so the, the, the clarity of communication, the frequency of communication as an affiliate manager with affiliates is really important. I'm hearing there that knowing your numbers, so data and analytics skills are really important. And then it sounds like organization because you're managing a network of affiliates as well. Are there any other skills that come to mind for you that really make for a great affiliate manager or just that you need in your business to run affiliate marketing well? Yeah, in the business, I would say, and this is probably one of the biggest missteps I've seen, is not having sales pages that are optimized for affiliate traffic. Too often when people get in, they use the same pages that they're sending their traffic to. And it's not really optimized for for the affiliate. And then they compound the mistake by testing and trying to optimize that page while affiliates are sending traffic to it. That's a really good way to burn bridges uh, because they're investing time and money in that traffic. And so if it's not optimized and well-tested, then it's uh, very difficult to retain affiliates. And so I would say optimize that page beforehand, get really good at split testing it, ensuring it's going to work on the, on the traffic sources that your affiliates are sending it, uh, that are sending to your, to your product. Mm. And I'm really interested to know about the speed of implementation. And it's something that ties in with the performance aspect of affiliate marketing. Thinking through what you said, I was thinking to myself, what, you know, why would affiliate marketing have seen such maybe a boom or in the pandemic? And what I've noticed, having spoken to people about the podcast and just working in, in a marketing agency, when the economy became a little bit more unstable, people naturally fell towards focusing on the channels where return on investment was clearer and faster. So things like paid advertising, as opposed to maybe SEO. And I'm just interested to know whether maybe that could be one of the contributions to why maybe you've seen a demand in affiliate marketing, because is it fair to say that you can get set up with an affiliate program pretty quickly and start to generate those leads or sales quickly and in what period of time maybe can people people expect to go from you know getting in contact with you to launching their first affiliate campaign yeah i think 30 days is reasonable for that depending on you where uh where you're at in the process you know if you already have very well optimized page it can be a lot faster it's just at that point getting it in front of in front of affiliates but normally the split testing and optimization takes the most time but to your point about uh, acceleration during the pandemic, that certainly was part of it. Mm. Um, you know, it's more quantifiable ROI to be able to assign, you know, we love to say down to the penny, especially, especially like corporate marketing people down to the penny, this email got <laughs> us this much. Um, and I think, I think that was a good portion of it, but also the amount of traffic that was available. All of a sudden, people are stuck at home and they've got nothing better to do than to click on that email that got sent. And they're spending a lot of time on Facebook and the ads are getting more impressions and uh, a lot of time online. So I think that contributed to a lot of it. But it also caused us, but you know, caused the affiliate marketers to become more creative and better at what they were doing just because there's more ads out there, more emails that are being clicked. 
doesn't mean now there's now you're in a crowded pond, right? Like your email copy really has to stand out at that point. And so I think it was a combination of all three factors, switching between channels and increase in traffic and then just better, better performance on the part of the marketers overall. Mm. Are there any trends in terms of industries that can benefit from affiliate marketing more so than others? And how has that changed over the last couple of years? Yeah. So at ClickBank, we're pretty heavy in the health and fitness space, which worked out good during the pandemic. Um, Self-help and some uh, online education. This, the type of stuff, so the type of stuff that doesn't tend to work well, I'd give you a good example. It came across my desk a couple of weeks ago was we, we had gotten a lead in and it's a cool product. It's a, it's an air compressor. It's like $5,000. This, you know, really, high-end machine and it's specific to welders now you know i'm sure it's a great tool and all of that but there isn't enough scale available for that type of product to great to to capture broad audience for it so it doesn't tend to work well uh, at least on a platform like clickbank where um, we're looking at uh, the success of more broad audience products and i think that's why not only did you have a pandemic going on, but health and health and fitness did really well because everybody is at some point concerned about about their health. So I, I would say as long as it has a broad appeal, and it doesn't have to be the most general health and fitness product, right? Like um, I saw a keto for the uh, for the forty something mom, or I, I think that's what it was called yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So it can be niched down, but that's still a very, very broad audience that the professional affiliate marketers are going to be able to find an audience for and and ensure that it converts on that audience. Mm. So that's really interesting because it leads me to the, my question about maybe mis- you, you said you phrased it missteps, but you must see affiliate programs that start, perhaps they launch well, and then maybe somewhere down the line they fade out or they don't become as effective as they once were. What are some of the contributors to affiliate marketing campaigns that either fail or just become less effective over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, so, yeah, that's a great, great question. We, and we talked earlier about, you know, poorly optimized affiliate pages, but the ones that get, or poorly optimized sales pages, sorry, yeah. but the ones that get, um, get a little bit of traction and tend to fail are not very transparent with their affiliates on how they're, either paying or tracking, attributing, all of those things. So transparency is really key, providing as much information to the affiliate as possible. Um, And then beyond that, poor relationship management. Again, you're competing with other sellers for affiliates. You want affiliates to have a very good relationship with you. Friends like to work with friends. Um, And I've seen offers and and sellers who are just kind of like, well, I've I've got this great product. People are going to promote it because Uh they want it. that's not always the case. So I, I would say maintaining those relationships is essential. Um, also, probably what is the most common failure point for upstart affiliate programs with sellers is not paying their affiliates consistently. Mm-hmm. That will burn an affiliate program to the ground, uh, set expectations very clearly. If you pay every week, make sure you pay every week or every month, whatever it may be. Obviously, the faster, the better, but um, the consistency of, of affiliate payment is critical. And then uh, effective tracking that's reliable, whether you know, you're know you using a network like ours or, or a tracking tool explaining exactly how that tracking is 
done, um, what cookie based, email based, uh, whether there's a lifetime commission available, all of that, and where they can verify that themselves inside either the networks portal or the individual portal for the for the sellers affiliate program. And then uh, lastly, in this one, I this I hate to see, um, but is merchant processing on the vendor side that's mm-hmm. incapable of handling scale. Mm-hmm. So if if you have a an affiliate that's got a really great Facebook campaign going and, and they've optimized it and they start scaling it and they send that seller more sales than their merchant account is going to be able to handle that affiliates on the hook for that paid media. And he's going to get no conversions out of it because obviously the order forms down, the seller didn't get any money. There's no way to make it right. And that's just, that's a terrible thing to see. So a uh, really close relationship with whoever's doing your merchant processing to ensure that it has the capability to expand at the rate that you need it to. That's really interesting. That last point, is that something you see often? Yeah, it, actually we, we win a f- fair bit of business on that because we handle all the merchant processing so we can scale essentially unlimited. And I hate those types of stories where, you know, we end up picking up business because, you know, I, I welcome the business, but it's just really sad to see. Um, and it's all over something that's usually outside of somebody's control. They were running something on Stripe or PayPal and some algorithm inside PayPal decided that they weren't going to do it anymore. And that order form shut down. You know, of course, it's always in the middle of the night, right? When <laughs> nobody's awake or picking up their phone. And at that point, you realize 20,000 clicks have ran through and, and nothing converted. Mm. I've always had this perception that the affiliate community, both on the marketer side and the vendor side, is kind of close-knit and that anything that's kind of important or that's maybe controversial in the affiliate community is well-known by all parties. It kind of lends itself to what you're saying because if you're maybe on, if you're an affiliate marketer and you have a poor experience with a vendor, my assumption is that that word would get round fairly quickly. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, you know, the internet's a big place, but the community's <laughs> actually not. Um, I, and that does happen. Uh, I've, I've seen businesses that had to pivot their entire business model because they weren't able to pay their affiliates yeah. and the affiliate channel for them was done. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I say maintaining relationships is critical because, uh, once, once you burn a couple people, word gets around pretty quick. Yeah. And actually, just on that note, I didn't think to ask this earlier, but I assume because you you must be introduced and work on your relationship building with so many different vendors, just on a personal note, how do you keep track of all of your relationships and uh, communications with vendors? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Uh, probably not as well as I should. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the thing is, is so many of these people have become very good personal friends of mine mm. that... Uh, I travel fairly well prior to COVID traveled fairly extensively. And so, um, I was able to keep most of it straight in my head, but I, uh, take uh, very extensive notes at the end of, of every day, whether it's on the road at the end of the day, or, um, when I'm here in the office, uh, at the end of every call, just so that I can keep it all straight. Mm. I've never really thought about it that way, but also when I think of affiliate marketing, I think about like when I think about different types of marketing disciplines and particularly the sales aspect of those disciplines, affiliate marketing is one that I've always felt could be achieved online without much interaction. It sounds like maybe pre-pandemic at least you've been, you spend a lot of time face to face with vendors. 
Oh yeah. To that point, you have time for one really brief story. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, several years ago, I was I was an affiliate manager when I uh, here at ClickBank, and we had a VIP room at the Traffic and Conversion Road sh- or uh, uh, show down in San Diego, and. I can't remember who the copywriter was, but uh, there's like some very famous copywriter speaking in our VIP room and it was getting really crowded and some YouTube influencer tried to come in with his camera crew and mic boom and bright lights and everything. And so I got told to uh, watch the door and basically kick people out that didn't have the little VIP tag, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I shoot a couple people out and this uh, woman came in right behind me. I didn't notice her for a second. I turned around and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. And she's like, I, I won't. I, I won't do anything. I don't have a camera crew with me. Um, I just want to listen. We're almost done anyway. So I, you know, she was nice enough. Left her alone. Introduced myself after the talk was done. Very pleasant woman. And I noticed that she went around the room and met just about every single person there. And just asked them questions about their business. She had just recently launched her her business online. And through that, I, I mean, she built up a massive network of affiliates who promote her product. Um, and it has a several, several million dollar business today. And it was all just those direct relationships and connections that she made at that point and being very curious about what was successful and m- almost more importantly, what was unsuccessful for the other marketers in the room. Um, so I, I really encourage people if you can go to those events, you know, go to the after party and have a drink. You never know. Your next super affiliate might be that random dude in a Blink-182 sweatshirt sitting right next to you. You know, it's it's absolutely worth your time. Yeah, that's really interesting. It lends itself to something you were saying earlier about uh, you were talking about it from the affiliate marketer perspective and, and making sure you do whatever you can to stand out, particularly in a world that's kind of full of emails. But um, yeah, on the vendor side, that communication and taking that extra step just to become familiar with the affiliates and just meeting them in person might be all that it takes in this remote first world moving forward. That's a really interesting thing to yeah. reflect on. It's a very generous, at least in my experience, it's a very generous industry in that everybody is kind of competing, but they all are interested in being helpful to each other. So you meet some that guy in the Blink-182 sweatshirt, right? He might not be the perfect guy to promote for you, but odds are he knows somebody else in the room who's would make a good affiliate for you. And everybody's pretty friendly. They're going to be happy to introduce you. It's not a zero-sum game in the industry. Mm. So there's a, a lot of collaboration, even when there isn't necessarily a monetary return for it. Just in closing for the podcast, just on this topic of kind of stories and storytelling, I'm really interested to know any recent favorite examples from you about they could be businesses that you've worked with at ClickBank or just something that you've seen uh, third party wise, but a business that's maybe grown or revolutionized their marketing through affiliate marketing. Anything come to mind? Yeah, actually, there's so from my days as an account manager, there's still one account that I continue to manage. um, And it is a phenomenal education product. They essentially teach people how to build a very successful e-commerce, the kind of Shopify style e-commerce websites. Um, And it's everything from how to uh, get samples, source the product, onshore the product, fulfill it, customer service. So you, you buy this course, I, I want to say it's like $3,500 up front. It's, it's a substantial investment. Um, but then it's uh, four months of extensive training with these guys. Oh, wow. um, and they, I've 
you know, been good friends with them for a long time. But the thing that I realized about these guys is that they take it very personally. They invest a lot of time in the success of their students. And it very much shows that kind of student first mentality reflects in their marketing and in how they conduct their webinars or promotions and everything. But then also seeing behind the scenes what it takes. So this is a 10 day launch. It's only available for 10 days in late January, early February, because amount of content that's behind it is substantial. They can't run it all year long. And they have just this very much value forward approach to everything, whether it's email, video, webinars, like if even if you don't buy our product, you read this email, you're going to get something out of it, something that might change your business. And I, I really love working with people like that. And it's very much reflected in their success. Um, so for example, I, I doubt they'd mind me sharing this. They, they have the record for the highest uh, single day sales by a vendor on ClickBank. It's something like 3.4 million in one day. And that type of scale is, is achieved at least in that segment of, of the industry, very customer first or, um, in their case, student first mindset, very great product, good customer service and just fulfilling on everything. Cause that's an extensive sequence of, of email, webinar, all of that to get to the point of sale. And then they don't just kind of take the money and, you know, here's your pre-recorded videos. It's, it's a very robust back-end educational um, product. So working with uh, companies like that, they're, they're a great example of, of why I've been here for this long and I'll continue to stay working at ClickBank. Are you allowed to share the name of that company? Uh, so the product is called Kibo Code. Yeah, it just, cart closed just uh, about a two weeks ago. However, they do open it up periodically if they have room. And so, um, you know, if you Google Kibo code, there's an email opt-in. I've taken one of their older courses. Um, some of the, I've, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I've met and work with that I respect, but those two guys that run that are, are pretty much right at the top. I'll make sure that's included in the show notes, which is why I asked if anyone's interested, you can go check that out. And Dominic, before I let you go, uh, thanks so much for sharing all of that today. But if people want to extend the conversation and find out more about you and ClickBank, let them know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, so the easiest way to get in touch with me is actually on LinkedIn. And uh, you know, if if you're considering an affiliate program for your business, uh, check us out at clickbank.com slash podcast. I think there's two or three questions in there. It'll get you connected to the right person on our side. Um, and then, you know, if you're, you're still on the fence about it, ClickBank's very active on all the social media channels. We publish a lot of really interesting stuff that may be helpful. A lot of marketing stuff as well, too. So even if it's you're not looking specifically for affiliate marketing, uh, check us out. Brilliant. Dominic, thanks so much for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.